so uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2. But um, uh, you've got to make time. And what happens is this. Uh, when, when, when we're wondering, how do I make time for God? God makes time for you, for Him. And that's the most unusual thing. When you're alone, you say, I'm not married. All right, good. God's got you in a time alone. He wants to teach you to pray as a single. Because when you get married and you got little kids running around, it gets really hard to make time to pray. Um, uh, you um, uh, get, get laid off from work. That may just be God making time for you to make time for Him. So, Song of Solomon. Let me show you God's heart. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 10. The Bible says this. And this is obviously the story. Is the description of Solomon. And it's called the Song of Solomon because it's a love story between him and his bride. But the picture and all the Old Testament is filled with shadows of Christ. Filled with stories that point to Jesus Messiah and his people, his church. And look at verse 10. This is the woman speaking. And she says, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one. And what's the next three words? And come away. As if to say, why don't you come away and spend some time with me. Now, um, uh, in, um, in the big scheme of things, you are what you are when you're alone. Okay? When nobody's watching. When nobody's checking on you. When, when you can do whatever you want. That's who you really are. And that's a dangerous thing. That's a scary thing. Uh, because when, when uh, you know, God has accountability in your life, whether it's by a wife or whether it's by a mom or a dad, God puts all those things to keep you from being alone. But there are times when you have to be alone so you find out what you really like. And what it has to be, what it has to be in your life is, Lord, when you have me alone, change me there. Don't let me fall back on the old me. Don't let me become the most awful that I can become. Because what was David in Second Samuel, what was he in chapter 11 when everybody went to war and he was back home alone? What was he? He was wicked. Amen? That's what he was when he was alone. And that's what you say. David was a man after God's own heart. He's the sweet psalmist of Israel. Yes, when everything's going well. But when he was left to himself, he was as wicked as the devil. Amen? So, you've got to look at these times when you're alone as these are. this is important for me and God to spend some time together because it is during those times that you're alone. I'm pointing at him because he's unmarried. Those are times that God wants you. And that God can take and make an Apostle Paul out of you. Because God can't, in all of your business, and you need to be busy. You need to keep yourself busy. But there are times when God sort of just sets you out away from everybody else and, and really things aren't going great. And you say, Lord, what's going on? The Lord says, I just want you and me time. Because that is where he changes you. So and I just want to really just get this thing and say, Lord, I know what I'm like when I'm alone. So when you have me alone, change me. So, I want to teach you about doing something, even, even though nobody else knows about it. The Pharisees, how did they pray? Somebody raise your hand. How did the Pharisees pray? Boy, did they love to pray out in the markets. Ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, I'm a Pharisee. And you can tell I'm a holy man. And I feel the need to pray. So please, 
watch this. And he would pray. And he would awe everybody by his prayer. And God said, I didn't hear a word he said, and he has his reward. But when you pray, what were you and I, what are we supposed to do? Go into a closet and pray in secret where nobody knows. That's our alone time. Make time for God alone. Now, you made time for church tonight, amen? And I can only say thank you because you did right. I know it's hard on a, on a Sunday night, the heat, the beauty, oh, the kids, you just want to stay home. You made time for church tonight. And you did it for the Lord. But there's a time necessary where when everybody else is busy, that you need to pull back and say, Lord, I need to make time for you. And um, uh, I've already gone through, and I'm going to rush through these things. We just looked at a verse there where, in Song of Solomon, twice it is said, where Solomon says to his young bride, come away with me. Now, that is the heart of the Lord for us to spend time with him. I gave you several examples of people who God made to get alone. Jacob, when? Somebody raise your hand and tell me. When did God make Jacob be alone? Anybody want to raise your hand and tell me? Yes, sir. Sorry? Okay, that was his first time alone, away from family, and there was a ladder there, and he says, this is a fearful place. The Lord is here. But there was a better time that he had, and he actually, I wouldn't, I'm not going to contradict you and say that, that that was God's first making him get alone, but there was a better time getting him away. Yes, Andrew? Yes, and God put him there. God pushed him into a corner. Everybody else was in their own tents. Everybody else is, is in terror. And, and Jacob is alone. And then the Lord shows up. And they wrestle all night. But that was good for Jacob. Uh, how about Moses? When was he alone? Well, it doesn't have to be wrestling. It's just the fact, as you well know, Moses was the most eloquent, the greatest leader of Egypt's history. And for God to use him, God had to throw him out to the backside of the desert and almost abandon him so that Moses would finally get through all of his own bitterness. And then when he got up to the top of the mountain, what were you going to say? He was up there. As a matter of fact, he was up there for 40 days Plus, while he was up there, they said, he's not back in 40 days. He's taking too long. Why do you think he took so long up there? Because he enjoyed it. When he did only come down, how did he look? His face was shining. He didn't even know it. So that time, just being alone. How about Job? I mean, we talked about this. Job got, uh, God put Job alone his wife wouldn't spend any time with him. His friends came and made his life miserable. He wished he was alone. But in the end, the last four chapters, guess who Job only has time with? God. And I mean, nobody, nobody could get into that private communication between Job and God. And it settled Job's heart. He had lost ten kids. He had lost everything of life. And he came out of that time with God. 
ready to start over. And God gave him ten more kids. Amen? God gave him great wealth. God gave it all back because that time alone with God. Jesus, did he not spend lots of time alone with his father? Now that blows some people's minds. How can he be God and yet want to spend time with God? Anybody want to answer that? Oh, come on, stay with me. Yes, ma'am? Well, yes. But they're like saying, they're like most Jehovah's Witnesses and people that say, why would God spend time with God? Good, as a man. But we don't understand that this Trinity has such a closeness. They're one God, and yet they're three persons, and they have such a closeness. And guess what? I'm accepted in that beloved closeness. All right, so Jesus, as a man, loved to spend time with his father, Elijah. There are loads of people. God made Elijah get alone. How did he make Elijah get alone? A woman named Jezebel chasing him. You say, my, my boss is, is, has fired me. Yeah, well, that may be God making you be alone for a little while. So don't be so hard on what God is doing in your life if he gets you in the end. All right, so when we looked at Saul of Tarsus, how does anybody get saved? Do they get saved by everybody coming around and putting hands on somebody? No. Do you know how somebody gets saved? They deal with Jesus Christ alone. I can't pray for you. Amen? It's not by the will of somebody else that you get saved. It's by you and Jesus Christ settling, I trust you. I believe you. And it works. That alone time can save your soul. Amen? Amen. Well, Saul, go to Galatians chapter 1, and I'll give you the key to this message. Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. Galatians 1.13 For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. You knew about my life. You knew about everything that I was before the day that before I got saved. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and I wasted it. I profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I may preach him among the heathen, immediately after his conversion, I, convert, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into where? All right, what's in Arabia? Anybody want to say? Desert. Nothing. There is nothing in Arabia. And I returned again unto Damascus. How long was he there? After three years. Then I went to Jerusalem, and I spent 15 days with Peter. Listen, when, there is no time where Saul of Tarsus went to Bible college. There is no time where Saul of Tarsus sat at the feet of the apostles and learned all the things that he had closed his ears to when Jesus was on the earth. There was no time except those three years in the desert. So, what happened in those three years? Again, we're not talking three months. We're talking three long years. Where were you three years ago? Raise your hand. What were you doing? What job were you doing three years ago? <laughs> Where 
were you three years ago? Think about all the things that have happened in three years. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to go there. Anyway, I can't. You're not going to help me at all. But when you think about three years, Noah, where were you three years ago? You're in America. <laughs> you were, that was just three weeks ago, too. Uh, but three years ago, all the things that can happen in three years. Well, during that time, Jesus started completely over with Saul. He humbled Saul. We went over all this last time. He taught him how to trust him. Jesus taught Paul, when there was nothing, how to just trust him. So next time you're abandoned, next time you have nobody to call, next time you are alone, and mom's not around, uh, pastor's not around, nobody understands, you just want to beat your head against the wall. Next time that's true, realize that's Jesus trying to get you to just cling to him. Paul had to learn it. Every great Christian had to spend time alone with God and had to spend lots of it. Uh, learn how to talk to Jesus. Remember Noah? Can you imagine being Noah? You're minding your own business. I heard, I, I heard uh, uh, Bill Cosby. I know he's gone through a lot of rubbish over the, late, over the past few years. But there was a great uh, comedy he did on Noah. And um, he's minding his own business and he hears God's voice. And Noah. And Bill Cosby's Noah. And he says, what? You know, and, and he's really funny at it. But it always reminds me how, can you imagine if God talked to you? Would you talk back? But in that time in the wilderness, Jesus learned how to just talk to Jesus. And you know what prayer is? Talking to Jesus. Talking like he's real. Paul only knew how to talk to God like he was almighty God. Remember Pharisee when he prayed next to the publican? The Pharisee prayed eloquently, didn't he? And what did Jesus say? Ho-hum. We're not even listening to him. Donald of Tarsus had to learn to, that he could just talk to. One of the most amazing things is for a child to know that they can come to the lap of Jesus Christ and just tell him all their needs. And you know, you're an adult, you can do the same. He learned how to, how to understand the Old Testament. Can you imagine Jesus saying, uh, Saul, let's go over Genesis chapter 1. And had to go through all of the Old Testament types and figures and shadows and pictures of the Old Testament all showing and pointing to Jesus Christ. must have been wonderful. It must have been very humiliating because Saul would have thought that all of those things were all understood only for Israel, but they were about Jesus. He learned the New Testament. Uh, how many books did uh, Paul end up writing? Fourteen books. How did he know the New Testament before he got it? He wrote it. Jesus taught him it. And he made a team worker. Put him, when he came out of that, um, when he came out of that desert, he worked, uh, he's sitting there in the church, and the Holy Spirit said, I need him to work with Barnabas. Remember, Paul is this hyper-intellectual. You know what Barnabas is? A friend. And God put this hyper-intellectual under a Barnabas and made a team worker out of him and says, now later, after a little while, when he got ready, Paul became the leader, didn't he? But in the, start, in the beginning, he had to learn to work under somebody who did things differently than him. And then all he learned it during a time of what I'm calling a secret time. It was just an alone time that Jesus called your time of secret prayer. Now, tonight, I want to tell you just a couple of things that, first of all, alone time with God is good for every person. 
I think most, if not all, of God's great men and women of the Bible were great. Not because of how great a Bible student. As a matter of fact, can I be real plain? There are so many Bible theologians that are more destructive and more hurtful to the body of Christ because they're so arrogant and so full of themselves and so precise that they don't do any good for anybody. The person who really does good for the body of Christ and for Christians are the people who walk with God. Now, you got to have the balance. you got to know the Bible. Yes, but listen, great men and women of God are great because of their alone time with Jesus. And if you've got all that time where you have Bible knowledge and you have not prayed, you have not walked with humbly with your God, he has showed the old man what is good and what the Lord doth require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. That's what God wants. So, all the great men and women of the Bible and throughout history have not been great theologians, but have been people who spent time with Jesus Christ. And I mean lots of it. They used their alone time. They used the firings from the, from the jobs. I have read of people, I wish I could remember the name of a, of a, of a church worker back in the 1800s over in England who worked under Charles Spurgeon and great church evangelism. And, and when, when, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon was, was starting a church, he didn't ask this man to help. And he had been helping him start churches after churches after churches all over London and England. And this man, I wish I could remember his name, this man was overlooked and he asked one of the uh, leaders, and said, can you use me? And he said, no, <laughs> we've got all the help we need. Now he had quit his job. This was his life. This was his ministry. He had kids to feed. He had a wife to keep happy. Everything now, I have no ministry. And so he sat and he cried and he wept and he said, Lord, are, are you through with me? Why, why don't they need me? I, this is my ministry. And the, uh, and, and there was no answer from heaven for, so for, for weeks he would show up at the church and show up at the start when they were starting churches and things like this. And then they had a big revival. He asked, could he be of help? And they said, no. Now, there was no concerted effort. Nobody had a problem with him. But there he was, sitting on a shelf, sitting there with nothing to do. And for weeks, it turned into months, and he became so despondent, so depressed. His wife couldn't encourage him. His kids were worried about him. And he just sat there. And then a brother came along, put his arm around him, and says, Brother, let me just tell you, I think God just wants you for a little while. Go spend some time with him. Without complaint, without being upset over the fact that God's not using you at the moment. Just let God have you. And it transformed his life. And I'm telling you, I wish I could remember his name, but this is a long time ago. But the point is, that from that moment on, he realized, all right, everything happened for good. God wanted me. And God changed his whole view about himself and about his ministry. And he became, he was used as in great preaching and great ministry back in the 1800s. Uh, folks, listen, it pleases God when you make time just for him. Go to uh, John chapter 4, verse 23. Can I, while you're going there, let me tell you, when Paul, when Saul got saved, what was the first thing that he wanted to do? Anybody know? In Damascus? He, when he got saved, 
as soon as the scales fell from his eyes, the very next Saturday, you know where he was? In the synagogue, telling people Jesus is the Christ. Do you know what all the Christians did within a week? They're laying him down and kicking him out of the city. So he goes out of Jerusalem and he tries to join with the Christians down there. You know what they did with him? He says, go, get out of here. Nobody wanted him. What was wrong? Nothing. But before he could really become a great man of the word, a great man of, of, of preaching and discipleship, he had to be a man of time alone with God. So, John chapter 4, verse 23, look at your, look at your Bible, verse 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father, what's the next words? Seeketh such to worship Him. It's good for you because you're pleasing Him. He seeks for you to worship Him. He seeks our time. Uh, it helps clear your mind. Now, John's not here because this is, I think this is his life verse. But who knows Isaiah 26.3? Who knows? Jennifer? Alright. So do it slower. Say it slower. It's perfect. Alright, let's take it in parts. What's the first part of the promise? Who's going to keep who in perfect peace? When? No. Whose mind? What does it mean to stay on something? Not Yes, good. We usually use that phrase, but in there it doesn't mean keep at God. It means keep focused on Him. Keep thinking about Him. Whose mind is anchored on Him. Whose mind is stuck on Him. That will keep Him in perfect peace when your mind is not worried, when your mind is not panicking, when your mind is not thinking about the groceries, your mind is not working or thinking about, well, who's going to win? But it stayed. It's stuck on the... Why? Because it's an act of what? Trusting in Him. It clears your mind. You spend time with Him, you'll come away. (sighs) Praise God. It gets you to pray. Alone time ought to get you to pray. You feel like somebody's put you in the doghouse. You feel like somebody, everybody's disowned you. That's good. Why? Because it's God trying to get you to pray. It allows God to talk back to you. Good to go to John 10, 27. John 10, 27. My sheep hear whose voice? Amen. You know, when you spend time with him, guess whose voice you're going to hear? Now, I'm not talking about audible voices. If you hear audible voices, your phone's on. (laughs) We're not talking about audible voices. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Folks, I I can't explain it, but when when that quiet time when nobody is interrupting, when nobody cares about you, when nobody's talking to you, Jesus will. Not only is it a time where God is getting you to pray, but it's so that He can talk. Uh, it will strengthen you. Psalm 27. Go to Psalm 27, verse 14. Some of you are warm. I'm going to have to get you to read for me here. Psalm 27, 14. See, Gavin, 27, 14. 
It's in the Old Testament. 27, 14. What's the hardest word in that verse? Why wait? Why does God say to wait? He will strengthen your heart. When you are feeling alone and you're like, I want something to happen. I want, I want, I, you know, I want a job. I want a car. I want whatever you need. And he says, what? Wait. And it just, listen, when you have that alone time, what Jesus calls that secret prayer time, it will strengthen you. It's good for you. It actually, what do the yoga people teach? You need that time. You know, all that. They're trying to copy a, a human, emotional, physical need for where you just stop and you rest. But it is a waste because it's not biblical. You are, you're, you're, you're putting yourself in danger because when you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, guess what spirit can influence you? An unholy spirit. So we're not talking about yoga, but we are talking about learning to just sit and be still and wait on God. Uh, it'll also settle things. The thing Corinthians chapter 11, what is it? Is it chapter 11? Chapter 12, I'm sorry, it should be chapter 12. Paul is given a thorn, isn't he? In the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him. You know what buffet means, don't you? Poo, poo, poo. Like the, uh, the boxers when they're practicing. That's this thorn in his flesh. Was Paul happy with the thorn? No. But do you know, when Paul, he didn't go to Barnabas, he didn't go to Silas, he didn't go to Timothy and say, what do I do, what do I do? He went to Jesus and says, get rid of this. And what did Jesus say? It's in the Hebrew. Eh-eh. That's right. <laughs> eh and and he, Paul says, but where are it's, it's hindering me. It's stopping me. I'm going to ask you again. I must not have asked you the right way. Dear Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, would you remove this thorn? And Jesus said, eh-eh. Three times Paul asked, begged, pleaded with Jesus to take this thorn away. And what did Jesus say? No, I'll give you grace instead. And you know what? After that, after three times, you know what Paul said? Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. What happened? His time alone settled his problem. How many of you have a problem? Two, three, five hundred. <laughs> All the struggles you may have, if you still have those struggles, let me tell you this, you have not spent enough time alone with Jesus. End of story. All of that will change you. It just does. You want to go for counseling? You want to do this? You want to do that? You want to try this? This new uh, schedule in your life? and all that, all that Christians of the old used to have was just God. And we need that too. Where we take time and say, Lord, if you've got me on the shelf, if you've got me where I am just unable to do what I want, and I'm stuck here, amen. Learn to pray. Let God change you. Let God humble you. Let God make something out of you in that time. Now make your own time alone. Second Corinthians chapter 6.
2 Corinthians chapter 6 and Ephesians 3. Let's see. I'm going to move along. Bill's in need of some attention here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We read this this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and read 14 to 18. Yes. Um, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Those are kind of great words. This is uh first of all I want I just want to say this and then we'll get right to this verse these verses. You're gonna to have to make time. If you don't make time, I got one new I got news for you, God will. God will push you into a corner, push you out onto a limb, will put you into a situation where it's just you and him. If you don't make time, he will. But the second thing is, so make a schedule where you say, I'm going to make time just for you. And that means more than five minutes. Secondly, separate yourself from anything that would come between you and God. That's what he's saying there. You have no business um, watching what you watch, Hanging around with people that you hang around with, if they're pulling you away from having time with God and walking with God and honoring God. Separate yourself like, like light and darkness. Separate yourself. Then realize Paul made time to pray. I found this little meme. It says, if we can give time for Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr, then certainly we can give also time to pray. Go to uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Nathan. All right, now just a short verse. But isn't that kind of strange for a grown man to say, I bow my knees unto our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He makes an effort to pray for the church at Ephesus. He says, for this cause I constantly bow. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Selene, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Is that a real long verse? It's a short verse, isn't it? But how much importance is it to just keep praying, to just keep praying, to just keep making sure your mind is set on Him? Um, what do you do? What are you supposed to do when you have time alone with God? I, <clears throat> I wrote these things down. We don't have time to go through all of them in detail, but you ought to jot these things down and go, am I doing anything, when, anything of value while I'm spending time just with God. First of all, do as few things as possible. <laughs> okay? Psalm 46.10. Who can quote it? Be still and know that I am God. What does be still mean? It means do nothing, at least as little as possible. Now, what was, what was David doing when he was praying? He was writing. 
He wrote out what he was praying. So it's not that you have to just, I can't breathe. No, but it's just do as little as possible. That's the whole point of spending time with the Lord. Secondly, keep a journal. David wrote the Psalms. What a rich book. Whether anybody ever reads it or not, you experienced God for an hour one day. And in that time, write how He affected you. What does that do? It helps you remember it. It's wonderful. Keep a journal. Thirdly, read your Bible. So I don't know what to pray. There's plenty of stuff to pray right there. (laughs) Especially the promises of God. Read your Bible during that time. Don't only make that... Listen, if your time with the Lord is just you reading your Bible, okay. But you know, if you don't close the Bible and then spend time just quietly with Him, we're going to talk about worshiping, talking to Him, listening to Him. Do more than just reading your Bible. That's all I'm saying. But read your Bible during that time alone with God. Number four, make sure your body is reflecting your heart. That's why we bow our heads in prayer. That's how come... Our, our whole demeanor relaxes and yields. I mean, I, I have watched some priests pray. You ever watch them pray? God in heaven, we come before you tonight. What are they reflecting? Pride. That's not how you pray. That's not how you go to heaven. You know how you go to heaven? On your face. I've prayed many a night with, uh, when I was in Bible college, uh, Friend of mine, he's dead now, but uh, Lowell Thompson said we need to get on our face. And I'd never been before. I'd never prayed this way before, but right on the rug, man. Nothing to me standing for Almighty God that reflected my heart. That's a good thing. Get low is the point. Turn around in your seat. Get down on your knees. That's reflecting your heart. You say, do you have to? I'm not saying you have to do anything. I'm suggesting. Make sure your heart is being reflected by how your body is set up. Don't be too comfortable. Don't just sit there and... No, no, get a little uncomfortable. It'll keep you awake. Stop and ponder in that time while you're alone with God just who God is. Is God good? Now you say that now. Let's see at the end of the week. <laughs> Let's see in the hospital if they come and have to come visit you. Let's see when it really gets rough. You see, when you ponder... And you settle it. Then when the storm comes, Peter, James, and John, did they know that Jesus could calm the sea? Yes or no? Yes. They had already gone across the the, the sea several times. But there was one time Jesus in the ship. And what did Peter give out to Jesus about? Don't you care we're going to drown? Jesus asked him, where's your faith? Did you forget who was here? You better have times where you just ponder how awesome, how powerful, and how how sufficient and how good God is so that when the dark time comes, you remember He's good. He only doeth wondrous things. Ponder during those times how good He is. Don't worry about you. Don't think about you. You know what we worry about? My situation. My problems. My hurt. How I've been treated. You're wasting your time. That is God's time. If I sat down with my wife and all I did was I talk about everybody else, she'd say, hello, I'm here, hello. <laughs> what about me? I'd be needing to spend time thinking about her. But spending time with God, don't bring up anybody else yet. Talk about him. Argue and wrestle, wrestle all you need. He can take it. You come to me and give out to me, I might have to hit you. No, I won't. Anyway, you, <laughs> you, you, 
You give out to some people and it hurts them. You give out to God, it doesn't hurt them. He already understands. Wrestle all you need in that time. You say you're just you're just frustrated, you're upset, you're angry, you just want to strangle somebody. Lord, he's not going to slap you. He's not going to lightning strike you. He's going to let you put it all out there on the table and he's going to say, you finished yet? He's a gentleman, amen? He'll let you give out all you want, even at him. And then he'll say, okay, you're willing to trust me now? And you'll be more ready to trust him after you've wrestled all night with him. What else do we do? Bring a list. Keep a list. Keep a list of people that you ought to always be praying for and their needs. Pastor's praying list. Keep that with you everywhere. You have to sit and wait on somebody to go into surgery, going going into the doctor, and pull out your prayer list. Say, Lord, evidently you got me out here. I can't go anywhere. So pray. Keep a list. There are people that God puts on your heart. You say, well, I forgot my list. Make it up. (laughs) You can think of some people to pray for. But pray through a list. It's wonderful. Then, uh, after it's all been said and done, after you, you struggled and frustratedly prayed and gotten everything out of your heart and cast all your care upon Him, after it's all said and done, then get close to Him. Then say, Lord, I love you. I don't know what else to say, but I love you. You see, Jesus invites you to come close to Him. He, he doesn't invite you just to bring your lists and your needs. He says, just bring you. And it's awesome. Stay a while. What did Jesus say? If ye abide in me, and you let my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you will, and it'll be done for you. What's that abiding do for you? It, when you get so close to him, he says, I'll give you whatever you want. Because you're close to him. And you're not going to ask for stupid things then. Because your heart and his heart will be beating at the same. Stay a while. You see, when you've... I prayed through my list. Lord, I've, uh, I've pondered your greatness. Now just abide. Take longer. I think that's what... Listen, how do you spend 40 days on a mountain in Mount Sinai without eating? Because he just... It just was so enjoyable. You ever been there? You ever had that time just of praying where you just didn't want to stop? It's very rare. Worship. Worship is something that people try to do in church. You ever seen the churches where they're like this, you know? They're all trying to, trying to act like they're worship. You know what real worship is? You hang around. And you just keep telling them. You don't even have to use words. But your idea is, you're worthy of my life. You're worthy in life or in death if I just might honor you. I just I just want to praise you. Do you ever just take time to just say thank you and I love you and you're worthy of my life? If you take it, take it. If you leave me here, I will serve you till the day I die. That's worship. And most of us, Rush to this. And we've never had any time preparing for it. Uh, then decide to do whatever you read in your Bible. That Bible is an instruction book, not just a, a litur- liturgical book. Is that the right word? Liturgical. 
Sounds like something in the bathroom. Uh, it's not a, it's not a worship book only. It's a book of instructions. And you ought to, every time you read your Bible, you ought to find one thing that you need to do differently. And if you spend any time with the Lord Jesus, you'll come out of that time going, I know what I need to do. Amen. If you've had any time with, He will not just say, good boy, good boy, you're such a good boy. <laughs> That's not what He's going to say to you. He's going to say, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this attitude. Let's deal with this action. Let's deal with this constant cycle. And when you finish, decide you're going to be different. Whatever the Lord shows you to do, do whatever it is. Bless and pray for others. I mean, bless people. Bless them to curse you. Bless people. It's, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. To turn away, come away from prayer and not be thinking of you at all. But you'll be thinking of others. And then lastly, leave the old you there. When you finish your prayer life, when you finish that secret time in your closet, the old you needs to stay in the closet and the change you needs to come out. Amen. That's what you do when you have that time alone with God. Now there's more you could do if you want, but those are things that you just think, Lord, I don't, I don't do that. But that would be something if we all had that secret time. I shouldn't have to find out, Bill, have you had your secret time with prayer? But I think I could tell if he has. Would you agree? All right. You are what you are when you're alone. And I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's such a blessing that if you actually don't just pray, but say, Lord, this is my alone time with you. You'll enjoy it. Make sure your alone time with God is not just a once-off. Guess what will happen? You'll have a time this week where you'll spend an hour in prayer. And you go, woo, it's great. And then you'll let three months go. <laughs> not do it again. Don't do that. Make sure it's not a one once-off thing. I've given you several examples. Who were they? Give us some, give me one or two examples that I gave you of people who came away and were spent time. Jesus, Moses, Jacob, there are plenty of them. I'd like to add your name to the list. Saul of Tarsus, right after he was born again, was very alone, abandoned for all practical purposes in the desert for three whole years. Why? Why was Three years alone in the desert, good for Saul, because Jesus did his best work in those three years. Not in his, not in his ministry and in his training among apostles or whatever, it was just him and Jesus. And it'll be your times alone that God every day does the greatest work in you. He starts over with you every day, doesn't he? Let him do it. Alone time with God is good for every person, so make your own time alone. And make sure you use your time alone with God wisely. Think about, what am I going to do with God? What am I going to do when I'm alone with Him? And this week, have designated times where it's just secret. Nobody knows you're doing it. Don't say, uh, I'm praying, don't bother me. Maybe you have to do that. I don't know. But the best times were when nobody knows. Father, this is a great challenge for this church and for this pastor. To have secret prayer. To have time alone just with you. I pray it would be evident by next week 
that some of us have put it into practice more than once. Bless us. Bless us with a hunger and a desire to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.